This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Con Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 265. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Ian. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of January 6th through January 19th. We have a total of two books to cover. Honestly, that's every episode. And we have just a little bit of news, like every episode. So, uh, let's get into the news so we can get on to the reviews, so we can get into the questions, because that's what I think the majority of you are looking forward to, including myself. (laughs) So... Starting off with the news, the first bit of news we have is on January 8th, DC announced that they are uh, they have joined with Comixology and other Amazon subscription services. Um, they have, including Kindle Unlimited and Prime Reading, select titles are available immediately on these services at no additional cost. Comixology Unlimited costs $5.99 a month with a free 30-day trial for new subscribers. Comixology boasts thousands of select single issues from DC Comics, as well as Vertigo, are now available on the service. Kindle Unlimited has a selection of single issues, collections, and graphic novels, while Prime Reading will feature a rotating curated list of comics as well, similar to that of DC Universe. Uh, The move to join Amazon's service is one that was years in the making with Comixology first, starting their subscription service back in 2016, which included multiple comic book publishers, but not DC Comics or Marvel, who of which had their own, uh, Marvel obviously has their own subscription service uh, priced around $10 called Marvel Unlimited, which we've talked about briefly in past episodes. DC joining shows major growth for the subscription service and also may shed a shadow on the current offerings of DC Universe. Uh, there was a small list of titles that are included uh, that Comixology said. Uh, this includes Batgirl, the, the Batgirl from Rebirth, Batman from New 52, Batwoman from the New 52, Batman the Dark Knight Returns, Batman the Long Halloween, Batman White Knight, Harley Quinn Rebirth, Identity Crisis, Injustice Gods Among Us, Injustice 2, and Teen Titans from Rebirth. So those are all titles that you can find on Comixology Unlimited. It's kind of up in the air. If you want to hear a lot more in-depth details about this, if you have Comixology Unlimited or one of those other Amazon services, uh, myself and Josh both talked about this at at very great length, way more length than I thought we probably could have, um, as part of a TBU Raw episode, which is exclusive to our Patreon supporters at the $3 level. So if you're more interested in hearing even more about that than we're talking briefly here, Check that out over on Patreon. 
plug. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to keep trying to figure out as many ways to plug it as I can. The other bit of news we have comes on January 18th. DC announced that they have a Target Target exclusive comic now. Um, this joins the Walmart exclusive books, but this is a one-shot, not a ongoing as the Batman ongoing as well as the other books, which but coincidentally just happened to be this past week. They also announced that the slate of Walmart books is expanding from Batman, Superman, um, and then they're changing the Justice League title over to Wonder Woman, and they're changing the Teen Titans title over to Titans, and they're adding Flash and Swamp Thing, which was pretty predictable since they had a Flash for the holidays and they had a Swamp Thing for Halloween. I don't know how long they're planning on doing that, or if they'll switch it up again, but those are coming. Um, so in February, all six of those titles will be out of Walmart. Nothing, obviously, changes to the Batman book, but they did announce later in the week that Target has an exclusive book, and this one is f focused solely on the recent DC Primal Age action figure line by Funko. Um, if you have been paying attention to news on the site outside of the comic stuff, you may have heard around New York Comic Con that there was a new Barbarian-style universe, basically think He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, that was like mixed in with the DC Universe, and it has a bunch of characters that uh, from existing characters from the DC Universe with new backstories and power sets. Um, it was exclusive to Amazon at the time during the holidays, but now I guess it's making its way to Target. I've been to Target. I haven't seen it. Um, but then again, maybe it just went out this week. I don't know. But typically, Target just reset all their toy sections. I'm going to get into a merch thing that I... I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, I could talk about merch a lot. I, I like talking about merch, even though I don't buy that much merch. I, I love talking about it. But anyway, there is a exclusive comic tied into it. Uh, this is a 100-page uh, comic giant, but it actually has 100 pages of, of new content. These stories all feature the characters from the action figure line. There is a total of six different stories featured in the giant. Um, it does cost $10, which is obviously $5 more than the Walmart 100-page Giants, but this is all fresh content. So if you are one who really likes the Elseworld-type stories where it's off-the-wall craziness, here's your chance to dive in and see what DC has to offer with this with this new one-shot. So take a look. Um, and I, I have taken a look at it, and it feels very much like those Elseworlds, like Chuck Dixon did a great one called Justice Riders, where it's like Justice League in the Wild West, and then of course there's, you know, the famous Red Rain, where Batman's a vampire. It, it feels like a fun Elseworlds, I just wish they'd spent a little bit more on the art. <laughs> um, do you think this is a sign that they're, that Walmart's going well, and so they're expanding, or that they're... I guess it's all new stuff, right? So they're not trying to get the most well, bang for their buck because it's new stuff. It, it, here's the thing. I think the Walmart stuff is successful. I don't know by what standards they're measuring it to figure out whether or not successful. I mean, I've heard every month I see reports about the new Walmart books. It's literally something that, for whatever reason, the comic community loves to talk about. Comics journalism community loves to talk about, I should say where they talk about whether or not the new books are, are are stocked at their store, what the display looks like, if the display box has gone missing, 
you know, is it just sitting on the shelf and it's a pile of comics that you don't even know what it is except for a pile of books? Everybody wants to talk about this every single month and it's slightly crazy. But the thing is, I think that they are selling well enough where they are expanding. The biggest thing is not so much whether or not they're expanding to the target one. They're they're increasing the number of books from four to six, which is a big deal because if they honestly think that right. that Swamp Thing can actually maintain uh, a significant audience with the mainstream a mainstream retailer like Walmart, that has to be pretty significant by itself. Which means that either that mm-hmm. one that Halloween giant that they had featuring Swamp Thing did like crazy, crazy, crazy well. Well, that's actually very misleading. Swamp Thing they shipped literally twenty issues to every store. It got its own case, but those things are not selling. I bought one, but I check every week because it's my job to review this one, and those things are yeah. not selling. The The Christmas ones sold a lot, but the Halloween ones yeah. did not, so I really don't understand why they went with Swamp yeah, Swamp Thing is kind of a mystery, quite honestly. I don't really understand that one. Changing Justice League to Wonder Woman is perfectly fine, makes sense. Wonder Woman is very popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, having a Flash one... Yeah, having a Flash one is is again not that big of a deal. Teen Titans into Titans, I guess. I don't, I don't know if they're changing. They're going to change the roster, but um, whatever. I mean, like, I honestly, it could change what it could change to whatever they want. It just depends I think on how Titans long they want to do. Just to tie into the show, you know, get that synergy. Probably, and and the other thing is like, let's be honest here. Batman and Superman are the ones that have big, high-profile name writers on attached to, and they're writing, like, 12-part stories. So they're not going to do anything to those two. But the rest of them are just telling, like, shorter stories, shorter arcs. They're not telling, like, these massive 12-page or 12-issue 12, 12 story arcs. So the thing is, like, there's no reason they couldn't change them if they needed to. If something they think something's going to sell better, then make something sell better. You know, like they could eventually do a Young Justice one if they wanted to, and include content from Titans or Teen Titans, Young Justice the '90s series. They could reprint some of the stuff from Young Justice the series that just launched. You know, in six months or something. Like, there's no reason they couldn't do something like that later on if they wanted to. So the Target one though is interesting because. There must be at least a desire by Target to get in on these comics because they had to obviously, you know, sign some sort of exclusive contract with DC to get this comic book made and then promise the book was going to actually be in stores too. So it's interesting because potentially after the first initial 12 months, could we see it expand into Target as well? Or could we see other comics? tied into action figure lines in the future as well, if that's what the route the Target goes. Target has has gotten a lot more into exclusive merch. Um, I know they have a lot of exclusive pop figures, and they've had in the past exclusive action figure lines and things like that, um, where Walmart has certain figures as part of an exclusive line or something like that, but Target has, in some cases, gone like above and beyond doing some stuff for exclusive, especially now that Toys R Us isn't around. Again, I'm getting off track here and talking too much about merch, but that's the idea. I mean, I honestly, I feel like maybe Target wants to get in on these exclusive comics because they feel like there is a market for them because they do, they did set up a whole new section at Target for like specifically collector items and things like that too. Um, or like fan, hmm. fan uh, genre specific type items that sell well to you know, they're like the spur of the moment type 
purchases that you're going to buy just because you like what you see. Um, so maybe that's maybe they do want to get in on it, and this is their way of doing it, is having the comic tie into the uh, action figure line will show them whether or not it's like a test for them, but at the same time, it can you know they can gauge a response and see how well it does, and then in turn maybe get in on some exclusive comics later on. So does the art look like the Funko Pop dolls? They look not the Funko Pop dolls. The Funko action figures oh, is a whole okay. separate line of characters. And I'm not joking when I say, like, take a He-Man from the 80s and make it a Batman, and that is what they look like uh, with l- much less articulation. And But they did have a playset, which is really cool. It's like a Batcave, but it was, like, shaped kind of like Castle Grayskull. I mean, like, they went... I don't know how this... I I have no idea how this came to be, and the entire thing was kind of a mystery to me because it was randomly mentioned, like, briefly at the end of, like, a DC Daily interview with Dan DiDio about how Marv Wolfman came with this idea called Primal Age back in the early... or late 70s, early 80s, and it just was sitting there, and it was, like, such a weird brief mention. I was like, what the heck did that have to do with it? And then, like... Three weeks later, Funko is revealing the action figure line that turns in, you know, that's using this idea that Marv Wolfman came up with years ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> Clearly, they dropped <laughs> it in there Wolfman for Marv Wolfman is writing the main story. Yes, like, th- 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 this was planned, obviously, but it's like one of those things where it's like, it's it's so outside the box. And I don't know. Well, I, I mean, think that the outside the box thing is really good in a lot of ways because we mentioned I think last issue, we've mentioned several times that DC's not doing digital first anymore. Um, and I think that's because digital is not a growth market for comics. Um, not that it couldn't be, but until tablets get better, like in terms of like tablets get more common, you're not really going to see many people reading western comics on their phones because it's just miserable. I've tried and it's not fun. But these Walmart comics and Target and other retailers there's they're a new audience. You know, they're your kids in the checkout line. They're like, Mom, get me this comic. That's the new audience that DC and all comics need to have. Yeah. They do put the comics in with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and the Pokemon cards. Like, those are the, yeah. yeah. You're going to get people yep. to see them. So. And, and Target has that specific spot in every single store that's right next to the checkout lanes for all the trading cards and the collectible cards and that kind of stuff. So it makes perfect sense for it to be right there. So... All right, so that's all the news. Um, that DC Primal Age, obviously, there's no digital version of it, and you're not going to find it in a comic store. But if you do want to check it out, you could, you could check it out at Target. Outside of that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews, and we're going to start off with Batman. Batman number 62, writer Tom King, artist Mitch Gerards. Um Batman wakes up. Forcing his eyes open, he evaluates his situation, seeing Professor Pig. Hanging upside down, bound by ropes, he plans to escape. Suddenly covered in blood and screaming, he gains control, working one figure free, using it to use a hidden batarang to saw at the ropes. Batman headbutts Pig, his hands free, and lands on the ground. Though Pig squeals, Batman can't hear anything. Overconfident, Batman leaps right onto Pig's vicious stab to the belly. Gasping at, grasping at calm, Batman pulls the blade out and throws it perfectly, hitting Pig in the mask with the handle. Batman looms over Pig, stepping on him, breaking bones, but pulls back to avoid killing him. 
He still can't hear anything Pig screams. In his confusion, Batman lets Pig back up and gets his knife back. As Pig monologues to an unhearing Batman, he tries to remember how he got there. His train of thoughts skips unsteadily from Bane to Penguin, to Arkham, to his quest for the truth of Bane's control of Arkham, to Alfred on the floor saying something about his father? Snapping out of his attempts to remember, Batman hurls batterings at Pig, but the villain catches them. Batman remembers seeing red eyes as he turned away from Alfred on the ground. Engaging in a martial arts battle with Pig, Batman tries to connect Pig to anything that came before. Pygmalion, uh, that's a Greek myth, the Greek myth of Pygmalion, um, his love for Catwoman, his loss of his family the second time, and the two end standing in front of each other. Batman finally forces himself to speak. How did I get here? How do I get out? Pig responds with the words of the Three Little Pigs poem in the voice of the wolf, then removes his mask, revealing Robin, Damian Wayne, who responds in the voice of the pigs. Batman looks at the floor as Robin leaves, shaken, evaluating, trying to grasp the metaphor, myth, story, dream of what just happened. So as you can tell from my my synopsis, this was a very confusing issue, and I think on purpose. Um, I just have two questions for discussion. The first is, what do you think is happening here? Um, the, the last issue with, uh, uh, what's his name? The Master Bruce, Bruce Kid. That was clearly sort of a, a side story connected to the previous Master Bruce story. But this is from Batman's perspective. So what's happening here? So my only guess is that this is, in fact, a series of nightmares, as the arc implies, and these aren't actually happening. Um, that's how you can probably explain Damien randomly appearing in the midst of the story. Um, there's something, you know, he's been infected with something, or he is under the control of something, and he's inv- seeing these different things. The the Master Bruce thing, however, I don't, I can't explain because I thought the intent of that was to further the Master Bruce story of whatever it may be. I figured that that was what they were trying to do there, but there was a lot of twisted stuff that was like, you know, we were seeing one thing and then there was actually something else. So I wonder if maybe we were seeing it from Batman's perspective as an outsider watching it and then seeing, but I don't know, it's, it gets crazy to explain this stuff. But then again, if it really are nightmares and maybe Flashpoint Batman has somehow infected or controlled is controlling Batman to the point where he can control his dreams or in this case nightmares then maybe that's what's going on but honestly outside of that the most obvious explanation of it being nightmares I can't think of what it might be yeah, this one in particular I liked because it seemed to, you know, we're, we're complaining a lot about, oh, where's the fallout from all this crap happening to him? Why is he not dealing with this? And this one seems to be a way that, that Batman might deal with it. And so I wonder if all these nightmares are, are taking the last 60, 60 issues of, of Tom King's run and saying, okay, well, how's Batman dealing with it? Or how is he not dealing with it? Um 
I'll admit that in college, I I suppressed so many things that apparently in my sleep, I was talking to my roommate, having very good discussions about what she was thinking and that she was me. And apparently I was talking in my sleep because I suppressed so much. Don't do that. It's a crazy person thing to do. Um, and Batman, I think, is the type of person that does not talk about his emotions. Like, I very highly doubt that he ever had a, had a psychiatrist that he went to visit and discuss these things. Otherwise, he wouldn't dress like a bat and go out at night and try to get all the criminals locked up. But I think that's probably what a lot of these are going to be is how and this one in particular is is fairly straightforward in that is is what's on his mind? What is he thinking about? What what are his nightmares about? So it is possible that like he's been drugged by Bat by a by a Flashpoint Batman. One of my theories one of my theories about Flashpoint Batman is that um when when uh Thomas Wayne told him stop being Batman he, he meant it. <laughs> and so when Batman didn't stop being Batman, he came back and he's going to teach his son a lesson. Um, kind of drawing more the parallel between, uh, uh, oh, what was his name? Russian guy. KG Beast. The KG Beast's abusive father might have more in, in common with, with Bruce Wayne's father, but that's a terrible theory. But, um, <laughs> but it's as far fetched as anything else. <laughs> it's true. Um, and so, I don't think it's that crazy. <laughs> so, Thomas Wayne is now coming back and, and making his son, you know, reevaluate his life um, the hard way because he's not doing it on his own, apparently. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my theory is that, is that, and, and I hadn't actually thought about that first, even though it was called Nightmares Part One, I hadn't really thought about it being Bruce's nightmare, but it makes sense. Because so much of it was from Batman's point of view. Like, it would make sense that it was Batman's nightmare about Matthew Hush or whatever his name is, right? Um, but yeah, that's my theory. That's yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think that somehow uh, this is caused by Thomas Wayne, whether it's like a virtual reality, maybe he's like... If you saw Incredibles 2, you know, he had the screenslaver with the goggles on people's ah. eyes that control them. I mean, maybe that's something like what's going on here. Um, but I, I personally think this is directly what is happening to Batman. Like, he got knocked out, and then Thomas Wayne is somehow controlled, and Bane, of course, is somehow controlling what's going on. I am hope, and I, I also absolutely agree with Steph that this is Tom King exploring Batman's feelings about what happened with the wedding and with Nightwing, because Batman doesn't deal with stuff. <laughs> he, uh, he... Not only does he not deal with stuff, he doesn't sleep enough to talk about it in his sleep. So, um, this is sort of Tom King forcing Batman to sleep and deal with all the just incredible trauma and loss that he's gone through recently. And I think, um, as much as I really did not enjoy the first issue of Nightmares uh, with Master Bruce, uh, this one, I think, was much more because it was dealing directly with the whole Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. and Batman trying to figure out am I trapped in a nightmare or what's going on like it feels like a connected to the whole Tyrant Wing storyline it doesn't feel like something out of nowhere I think this this was much more satisfying uh, my second question is what did you guys think of uh, Mitch Garad's art uh, this is an issue that was delayed because Mitch Garad's has been delayed in almost all of his projects recently. Uh, I don't know if you read um, the Mr. Miracle series, but he was the artist on that, and he also did the two uh, rooftops issues 
uh, way back in the first year of Rebirth. So what do you think of this um, Professor Pig fight um, in Mitch Garad's hands? To, to be fair, and I want to point this out only because I remember reading this on Twitter, um, Mitch had a newborn in May of last year, and that was why Mr. Miracle had some delays was because Tom wanted or Tom King wanted to make sure that Mitch had some extra time because he was going to be around a newborn. So that was part of the reason why Mr. Miracle was delayed because initially it wasn't delayed and then all of a sudden the baby was coming. So I just want to give him the benefit of doubt in that regard. Um, this issue, however, it could have easily, I mean, I'm not one to sit here and, and fault a guy for having a child. I've got three kids. I know how it is. And once your kid is, you know, six months old, it's not the same as a newborn. So it's a little bit easier to manage your time and things like that, hypothetically, in most situations. So um, I'm not sure why it was delayed. I will say it's, it seems like he went above and beyond, like, as far as detail. And when I say detail, that's in the loosest term. Um, there's a lot a lot going on on every single page, but it's not necessarily like drawing cityscapes and drawing like extremely detailed, uh, you know, huge groups of people with tons of facial expressions or the audience of uh, theater. It's it's not like those kind of things. It's just there's a lot going on on every single page, and my only thought is that he just spent more time than maybe he wanted to mostly because Mr. Miracle was so critically well-received that he felt like if he was going to be on Batman again, he wanted to make sure that he went above and beyond and did something that was, you know, different because I just, I was watching some uh, interview with Liam Sharp and he was like, oh yeah, I got offered my first DC gig was they offered me a a Batman story and you know, who's not going to take Batman? But I had to get a 22-page comic done in, in basically two weeks, which is mostly unheard of. And I look back and I look at it and I think to myself, wow, it looks like crap. And it was an interesting story. And I thought to myself, well, I'm sure that there's a lot of artists who, like, if they were offered Batman, they would never say no. But there probably are some, like, really weird situations where it's like, do you want to do Batman? Yes. Okay. You need to do it within this certain lot of time and you're only going to have the script this far in advance or whatever. Like there could be situations like that. This just feels like he was on the book. He's been on the book before he's with Tom King and he wanted to do something different and really accent what he's capable of so that it would be showcased in, you know, most of the time, the top selling book of the month. So that's my only, my only assumption. Um, I mean, I don't know his life. I wouldn't tell you why why it took so long. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a, f- a nightmarish feel to this. I mean, again, if you read Mister Miracle by the end, I mean, spoiler if you don't want to know, but by the end, you don't know what this story was. Was it a dream? Was it a nightmare? Was it death? Was it hell? Was it heaven? What's going on? And so that feeling really persists in this in this story. So, like, if you couldn't tell pretty early that this is some kind of weird nightmare then you weren't looking at the art because it was just really really weird um but I don't know I think he did a good job and I I don't know enough about (laughs) writing comics to say that yes this would have taken him longer than than he had originally planned but 
you know who knows who knows why stuff happens but i like the i like the i like the art for what it was which was a nightmare if this had just been a real thing and batman actually had been you know strung up by professor pig i probably would not have liked it as much i thought the art was extremely dramatic yes. um i'm kind of harsh on grads i don't I don't really like the art for either Sheriff of Babylon or Mr. Miracle very much. Um, I think he relies a bit too much on weird coloring techniques uh, that you do see here. There's a lot of, like, bleed of color outside of lines and a lot of really unnatural colors that I think really work for um, the playing with reality and perception that they're doing here. But it's not to my taste. I prefer a cleaner style, a, a more straightforward storytelling. Um... However, Garad's really plays to his strengths here. Like, the, the images of Batman, the, the stark black and the yellows and the reds are just so dramatic. They really grab your grab your eye and grab your emotions. And even though I actually really dislike Professor Pig, I don't, I don't see his thematic purpose, except that he's just really gross. Yeah. Uh, I see the thematic point of almost every Batman villain, but... Uh, Pig and I would say Black Mask both are just evil, and I don't see any real deeper point that you can make with them. Uh, I guess Grant Morrison did a little bit with that, but I will say, if you're going for a gross villain, Mitch Graz does an amazing gross villain. <laughs> very gross and scary, and that was extremely well conveyed by Graz, both in art, and Graz also did his own colors here, so very effective work, even if it's not personally to my taste. But I'm I'm spoiled because I'm really looking forward to Amanda Connor and Lee Weeks on uh, the latter half of this Nightmares arc. So that's all I really have to discuss on Batman. Um, why don't we do our ratings? Okay, so Batman number 62, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five batterings. I concur. Three and a half out of five. I believe I also gave it three and a half out of five. So that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five, better ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 996, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Doug Mankey. As Bruce leaves Arkham, the inmates complain about what he did to them. When Bruce returned to the Batcave, he asks Damien about Alfred. Damien states Alfred has a lot of air in his pleural cavity, and he's been thinking that they should leave the chest tube in for a few more days. Bruce mentions that he did not think Damien would respond to his call. Damien makes it known that he did not come there for his father's son time. He came because Alfred needed him. Damien asks Bruce... Bruce about his visit to Arkham. Bruce responds, someone has threatened the inmates not to talk. Damien notes that these attacks have all been personal, which is helpful. They are coming from someone who knows Bruce is Batman, uh, which we happened to talk about last episode. Uh, Damien mentions his mom, Talia, and grandfather, Ra's al Ghul, are on the list. Bruce admits that they, are most, they most likely did not plan this attack, as they would not be so indirect. Immediately, both Bruce and Damien say, Henry Ducard, and Damien states that Ducard must have found out what happened to his son, uh, as seen way, way back in Batman and Robin um, during the New 52. Bruce chimes in and states Ducard's last known location is in Paris. Bruce asks if Damien could take a leave from the Teen Titans for a few days and watch over Alfred as he heads to Paris. He also tells Damien that once he comes back, they need to sit down and straighten things out between them, and Damien agrees. 
In Paris, Bruce, using numerous disguises, asks and interrogates a multitude of people for information on Ducard. He finally comes across Ducard in the catacombs beneath Paris. Ducard feels Bruce's presence and draws his pistol, but Bruce disarms him, and then Ducard asks how he found him. Bruce states that he, uh, meaning Ducard, had taught him how to hunt. As tensions cool, Ducard states Bruce's distaste of firearms is interesting even after all this time. Bruce tells him that Gotham criminals know he does not need a gun to hurt them or stop them. Ducard mentions that how his son Morgan was quite aware of that fact. Bruce gets to the point. Ducard sent Morgan to kill him. Morgan failed and Bruce sent him back to his father. Then, just to be rude, Morgan tried to take Damien. Despite Bruce's wishes, Damien killed Morgan. These personal attacks are retribution for Damien's actions. Morgan recorded himself fighting Damien to show his old man the final victory. Instead, Morgan forced his father to watch his death on a live feed. Ducard states Morgan lost and Bruce won. Well, he won the battle, but not the war. Bruce asks if this is a war, is he attacking and murdering people he cares about to avenge his son? Card tells him that he's not waging a war. The nasty catacomb he lives in is not a staging ground for a strike. Bruce says that it does look like Ducard is ready to make his last stand, but Ducard mentions that other people are after him as well, and if Bruce can find him, then surely others are on their way as well. At that moment, the monster from Gotham that killed Leslie attacks. This monster's face morphs into Bruce's greatest rogues. Ducard states that this thing is made up of protoplasm, which he shoots, and the monster instantaneously heals them. The monster then starts to engulf Ducard, and Ducard grabs a grenade. He tells Bruce that he not only got to kill the son, but also the father. As he pulls the grenade, the grenade explodes and kills presumably kills the monster and bruce is saved bruce climbs out to the top climbs to the top of the mountain in north korea once he climbs over the ledge he sees a multitude of ninjutsu students murdered in front of their temple there's a bat symbol made out of their blood at the entrance to the temple the last surviving student of the temple is kriegi who vows to punish this man who wears the symbol of a bat Bruce states that he has reached the summit on his own accord, unaided by machines or others, and according to the custom, he has the right to see Master, Master Sensei Kringi. After a quick fight where Bruce promptly gets the upper hand, Sensei Kriegi congratulates Bruce for almost beating to death his lone surviving student who is protecting him. Kriegi debriefs Bruce on the attack on the temple and asks Bruce to bring his his monstrosity to justice. Uh, Bruce tells him that he will, and he leaves. Bruce then parachutes off into a desolate area in New Mexico. Immediately, a man wearing a Mr. Miracle costume tells Bruce to leave now, for it is a trap. Bruce tells Thaddeus to grab his hand, for the ground is flipping over. Bruce tries to get Thaddeus and himself off the unsettled ground, but they fall into the trap. Okay, so... There's a bunch of stuff that happens in this issue. Um, it really feels like we are flying through. Um, uh, I don't know about you guys, but like after the last couple issues of the attack, the, well, I mean, we're only the third issue into Tomasi's run at this point, and we have 
what seems to be like a massive amount of stuff that's been happening. Leslie was attacked. We had this staged, uh, you know, Bruce's parents, the, 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 the murder that was staged as Bruce, Bruce's parents. We had Leslie attacked. Leslie ultimately dies. We had Alfred attacked. Now we have Henry Ducard attacked, and now he's dead. Uh, we have the sensei that's taught Bruce. His whole monastery is attacked, um, and multiple people die there. Now there's this... Mr. Miracle, now I'll be full and up front, I don't know very much about Thaddeus as Mr. Miracle, I didn't even know there was more than one Mr. Miracle until after I read the issue and then did a little bit of research to figure out who the guy was um, it also explains why the cover of 997 has Batman wearing a Mr. Miracle costume um, but uh, not really it but, sort of explains yeah, sort of explains <laughs> But anyway, there's a lot happening here. Uh, in three issues, there's a ton of stuff that's going on, and it really does feel like we're on a sprint to number 1,000 at this point because that's where we're all headed with this story and eventually learning that the Arkham Knight is the one who is behind all of this stuff. I want to ask the quick question because it was something that I thought about. You know, with everything that's going on over in Batman, with Bane, with this massive plot, including multitude of, of people and characters and and plots and all kinds of stuff that all so- somehow ties together, this is not as drastically as large as, as what's happening over in Batman, but it does feel like somebody's orchestrating a lot of different things similarly to the way that Bane is. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that too many people are going to eventually start to draw comparisons between the two series because we have these, like, two big master plots that of of massive things happening to Bruce Wayne and the people who surround Bruce Wayne? Like, we just had Dick shot in the head just a couple, uh, you know, just a little while ago in the pages of of Batman, which was a huge thing, but then we have Leslie dying, and we've got Henry Ducard dying, and we've got, you know, all kinds of stuff happening. It just feels like there's a lot happening in two books that are happening at the same same time. Do you guys have, do you think that's okay, or do you have a problem with it? I think no matter what anyone says, you just have to acknowledge that these aren't, these aren't connected. <laughs> they may mention each other, there may be crossovers, but they are obviously not talking to the two, two, teams making these stories they're just not talking to each other and so yes the story might be similar but i think they're 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 different enough that that it's okay because this one really seems more even though it's emotional it it's more of a violent story i guess whereas the other one really seems to be more psychological um because we've just spent so much time really getting into Bruce's character and what he loves and then what's taken away from him. Whereas this is, like you said, we're on, this is a roller coaster ride um, storyline right now. And so it, it's, this is definitely more like a condensed movie version of of what's happening in, in Batman. So I think, I, I think they're different enough. And I think where the stories are going are different enough. That yes, yes, you will probably you probably will complain. Probably will people will probably find um, parallels and similarities and stuff. But I'm I'm enjoying both for completely different reasons. I think that with Batman, 
there's always a tendency to go for the master criminal. I mean, he's got so many supervillains, um, and especially with the tendency of writing for the trade, writing for a long arc. To have a long arc, you have to have a big plot, a big villain. And so, I mean, you could just as well say that um, Scott Snyder's Court of Owls and Grant Morrison's Black Glove, and then um, even Chuck Dixon, Doug Munch, and um, Denny O'Neill's Nightfall and Bruce Wayne Murderer. I mean, these are all stories of a master criminal attacking Bruce from his past or his family. I think it's it's just a, a normal Batman thing. And any good Batman writer, and even a bad Batman writer, will will know this about Batman and structure his story accordingly. I think my biggest problem is that Tom King's been really clear about um, his his villains and his um, his motivations, although he's he's also really good at throwing twists in so that we're we're really disoriented. Um, we've already talked about who is Arkham Knight, and uh, my big worry is that it's just going to be another Tommy Elliot, only we haven't even had a Tommy Elliot introduced, so if it were a new character, it's going to be completely meaningless. Um, which is why I'm still hoping that we're getting some kind of alternate universe Bruce or Jason, because uh, I think that would be the most, the least disappointing, I think, in terms of the reveal of who's behind it all. So... I think they're different enough that um, they'll definitely get different audiences and and really satisfy both of them. I agree. I think that they are definitely different enough to attract different audiences. I'm actually drawn more towards this because even though it does feel really, really fast and it feels like we're really, like I said, sprinting towards 1000, which is kind of like the culmination of this story and eventually the reveal of who the Arkham Knight is and things like that, even though we're, we're sprinting towards that, I am not necessarily opposed because the alternative at this point would be Batman and how we're basically going to get four years of a story, you know, drawn out and then finally get to the conclusion or get to, you know, the bigger point of what, whatever that is, um, whatever it ends up being. Cause at this point we don't even know, um, what, what the whole thing is. So, do you think we're really going to get the identity of the Ark of Night in a thousand, though? I would say so. Because I thought we were just going to have him appear. Yeah, I think we're going to get the identity. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like Arkham, like if it was just him showing up, who cares? You have to establish who he is. Otherwise, like, what's the point? If he's just, like, going to be like, oh, the first appearance of Arkham Knight is this, but we don't know anything about him, it's nothing special. It just just reveals that he's there. But we already know he's coming, so, like, what's really the reveal then? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the big deal for Arkham Knight to be in number 1000 if it's not showing who he is? If we're just going to see him for the first time, as they've publicized in the press releases and things, the first you know, main continuity appearance of the Arkham Knight, then that's not really anything to like, you know, warrant my interest. I don't, I don't need to see some guy walking around in a mask. I've already seen him on the cover. I don't need to see the guy. Like, I know he's going to be there. So it's not like there's anything there. I hope, I, I hope, and I, and I'm, and I'm going to say that I'm assuming that 
his identity is going to be revealed in number 1000 because it also makes it a point be like oh wow there's actually something really important to talk about this issue nobody's going to talk about a story that just introduces a character that they they already told us was going to be introduced you know back in you know four four months before the issue came out as well as the cover of the book so i would imagine that he's going to get revealed also in this one i mean they were like oh we're going to reveal it it's Henry Ducard. No, it's not. And so I think if they just introduced the idea that it could be the Arkham Knight in 1000, then that would all, even, that it would feel like another red herring. Like, especially if, because if, what issues is this? 996. We still got three more issues before 1000. Um, I have a funny feeling they're going to, they're going to keep asking who is, who is behind this and they'll probably keep throwing us red herrings. And so unless, unless, the idea of the Arkham Knight is introduced sooner, and then the identity is revealed in a thousand. Because I really hope we don't get a red herring in a thousand. That would that would not be good. But yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, kind of going back to what Steph was saying earlier about how there are these are definitely different and they're not connecting. I definitely agree. We've talked about that before about how they these books are definitely not connecting, and I I think that. That's okay. Detective t- Detective does not sell as well as Batman does, which means it hypothetically could reach a different audience. Um, Batman it does, in fact, reach a different audience that Detective Comics doesn't because it sells more. So if it's selling 100,000 and Detective's only selling 60, well, there's 40,000 people that are buying the book that are not reading Detective, so it's already reaching a different type of audience. So I think that's perfectly fine. Um, something I want to talk about uh, based off of this one. So we had the Henry Ducard stuff that happens. There's throwbacks and references to basically the entire storyline that Tomasi did with Morgan Ducard, which um, had Damien killing Morgan Ducard. Um, we, we saw that. Or, well, I only say I saw that because that just happened. I, the, the collected edition, a new collected edition, just released recently and we reviewed it as part of tbu collected and it, it's interesting that there is this callback to something that happened during the new 52 because i honestly outside of stuff that snyder has done i haven't seen a lot of callbacks to hardly anything from the new 52 from any creators obviously tomasi is more likely to call back his own stuff than somebody else's but i do find it slightly interesting that he called back to that, but I guess, and, and that has nothing to do with my question. It was more of just a, a statement. But my my other question is, you know, we had Leslie, we had Alfred have stuff to happen. Now we have had Ducard. There's these two moments at the end of the book with the Sensei and also uh, Mr. Miracle shows up, which I'm guessing we're going to get more of in the next issue. But I guess my question is, do you feel like Ducard didn't get enough time uh or do you feel like there was too much time spent on him and not enough time spent on any of these other characters that appeared? Because it does feel very abruptly like they go from Ducard straight to the Sensei and then they go straight to Mr. Miracle. Like It feels like they, they are trying to get as many of these people in to show that there are multiple characters that are being attacked even if they're outside the normal realm of characters we're typically seeing. So to me, I'm wondering, do you guys feel like they're moving too quickly. Um, I know Tony on the site said that 
there was no room, you know, there was no time for mourning really of Leslie. They just go straight into, you know, what's next? Let's solve this crime of who's attacking, which is in some ways the same thing that they were doing with Batman because in Batman, he goes right after KG Beast instead of dealing with the fallout of uh, of Dick being shot in the head. Or they don't show it because, you know, months had passed or whatever. But does it feel like it's just moving quickly or are you okay with the way it's presented here? Well, I mean, with... with I, I feel like they did do a decent job. I mean, I, I choked up <laughs> reading the last issue. I think they did spend a lot of time on saying goodbye to Leslie. So I don't think that that needed to be in this issue. I think they did a good job in the last one. Um, and with Alfred getting stabbed and the assailant getting away, there is a time crunch. There is there is a limited amount of time that he can go after this guy. Um, I think it's a little too coincidental that Batman is visiting all these completely random, seemingly unconnected things, and the monster is either right ahead or right behind him. That seems a little weird. Um, it almost makes me think that the monster is following Batman. So wherever he goes, whoever he's visiting is going to get hurt. Because I think it's way too coincidental. It's comics. It could be. Uh, but I think it's way too coincidental that Batman just happens to be where the monster is just about to be or has just been. Unless he knows something, which he doesn't. Um, I also didn't like that, that the only reason he went to go visit Henry Ducard was he thought he was the guy behind the attacks. And then... It had nothing to do with him, really. And so all we got was a little history lesson, and then and then he died, and then Henry died. So I, I felt it was a little bit of a waste of time other than an interesting history lesson because, yeah, it sounded like, even though it was the New 52, it wasn't like the Batman and Robin or the... or Because the, they, didn't they talk about Batman Inc. too? Like, wasn't Batman Inc. kind of retconned out of the New 52? Or did this um, have nothing in, in to do with In some that? ways, basically, it's, yeah, it still existed. They just changed some stuff. That's all. It was okay. just basically, they they kind of ignored it initially when the New 52 started, but they didn't finish telling the Batman Inc. story. And then there was a second volume of Batman Incorporated that released that featured more stories from it. But the rest of the books completely ignored it as if it doesn't didn't happen. But Grant Morrison except still for Talon and Batman Eternal, both of those had heavy tie-ins to Batman Inc. Yeah. So I mean, it just seems I don't know. It seemed a little, a little bit of a waste of time, even though I appreciated the history lesson. What was the question again? <laughs> did you feel like it was moving too fast, or did you feel like the amount of time spent with each character made sense? I think the only real problem in pacing I had, um, I think it was very well paced. I think it moved along under a good clip. I thought Morgan Ducard felt a little bit self-indulgent um, because we we already basically went through the Ducard stuff at the beginning of Batman and Robin, and that was very good. And then we also did sort of a reprise of that with Robin, Son of Batman by Gleason, which is really excellent. I recommend Robin, Son of Batman for anyone who hasn't read it. Well, the first trade. Um... And so this just sort of felt like, oh, yes, it's that guy again. So I didn't think he needed to have more space. Um, the biggest thing I had is the, the cliffhanger at the end of last issue where Batman turns out all the lights and is like, I'm the, I'm the monster here. And then it turns out that he doesn't get any information. I was just like, that was a waste of time. <laughs> 
So that was my only pacing comment. I think it is is well paced. Um, it's moving along. Yeah, and just as a final note, I have been greatly enjoying the art on this series. Um, I feel like with all of the the consistent changes, because there's you know just because Tom King is working with a bunch of different artists right now with different arcs. And with Nightmares, he's got basically somebody different almost on every single issue. It's nice to see some consistency. Doug Mankey's art is some really good stuff. Uh, it was also recently announced on Twitter that Brad Walker is going to be taking over Detective Comics on number 1001. And it looks like he's going to be on the book for probably a similar amount of time that Mankey has been on. Uh, Mankey's on from 994 to 1000. And Brad Walker is on at least 1001 and 1002, but he made a point to say that he's, you know, coming on board and, you know, going to be doing the art. So I'm assuming he's going to be on for at least six issues as well, um, which says that Tomasi's working pretty far in advance if uh, Mankey was able to keep up. And we've talked about this before, but if Mankey was able to keep up and, you know, he doesn't require any fill-in artists or anything like that in the future leading up to 1,000, um, it means that Tomasi could, be, in fact, be working on stuff pretty far in advance where uh, Brad Walker has also been working on stuff well in advance because he made a point to say that he was able to announce that he was working on Detective Comics, which means he's been working on it for quite some time. So, um, But I've, I've enjoyed Mankey on the book, um, and it's nice to have just a little bit of consistency while Tom King has his humongous entourage of artists constantly switching it up so that's nice I, I agree I think that uh, Mankey's arcs definitely art has been really good um, I am a big fan of Brad Walker from what he did in Aquaman at the beginning of Rebirth his Aquaman stuff was really strong and so I think he'll be really great on Batman uh, I mean sorry Detective Comics but drawing Batman of course um, I do I think that the, the way the different teams approach the double shipping has been really interesting. Tom King actually started doing full arcs. So David Finch did five, and then Miguel Janin did five, and they had like a fill-in between them. Um, but I think that that didn't work as well. So I think that Tom King has been switching art teams so much because he knows that shorter arcs are better for his writing style. So I actually think um, it's not just timing, but I think he also has gotten into a better rhythm with how he wants to tell a story, whereas Tomasi's doing a much more, you know, this is the trade, this is the arc. And so I like that he's got this consistent art feel. Yeah. The, the changing artist for the Nightmares arc still, at this rate, looks like it makes sense, though, because they are so so different, that they're different dreams. So that's kind of like what it would be like if you are switching dreams in your in your head, is, is they wouldn't all be the same. That's true, except for, I swear, when I have dreams, I never see anything in a different shade or way. It's just reality. But are your dreams caused by, like, virtual reality or <laughs> drugs? That's true. And I, don't, I don't take a lot of drugs, or I don't take any <laughs> drugs before I go to bed, but yeah. Okay, so Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five. I agree, three and a half. Three out of five. All right, and over on the site, Tony gave the issue a total of three out of five as well, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five batterings. So that is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's head over to the site for Greater Gotham. 
Starting off on January 9th, we have Main TV Books. We already talked about Batman number 62. Nightwing number 56, a fight with Scarecrow in the streets of Bloodhaven, brings Rick into close contact with the team of Nightwings. Meanwhile, a mysterious observer lurks in the shadows. Subadil, he gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I don't know. Thumbs up, I guess. I enjoyed it. It was weird, though. Sorry, uh, the book was again? Nightwing. Oh, thumbs down. So far down. (laughs) Harley Quinn, number 57. Harley is hunted by Batman after he suspects her of trying to frame the Joker with a Smilex death. Meanwhile, Harley is the subject to the trials to become a galactic angel of retribution. This was you by David. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Oh, I feel so bad. Thumbs up. (laughs) Neutral. Secondary TBU books, Archie meets Batman 66, number 6. Archie and Batman finally team up to defeat the dastardly villains who have taken over Riverdale. Ian reviewed this. He gave it 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral, but thank God it's over. <laughs> I I feel really bad because I really like the first three issues. I, I think the those were definitely two. thumbs out. But these last three issues are such a slog. There's no real exciting moments. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of point A to point B to point C. I really think it would have been better if they made them wrap up in four issues and just be like, this is a four-issue mini. It's a trade. And I think it would have been punchier and more exciting. And But as it is, I have to end on a neutral because yeah. it's just, I'm bombed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Batman Kings of Fear, number six. Scarecrow may have dethroned Batman, but how will the Dark Knight respond? So you buy Corbin, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, despite the art. Whoa, what? <laughs> Reluctant thumbs up. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> no, to be thumbs honest, uh, I, I'm actually planning uh, Kings of Fear, number six. I'm actually going to, I'm planning on doing a TBU extra for, for the $10 Patreon uh, exclusive cast. But uh, I th- to, to further explain my, my thought process behind this, but I'll say this. Uh, briefly, I'm still not a fan of Kelly Jones. The series is not making me a fan of Kelly Jones. Mm-hmm. But I think the story that they told was interesting. It was. It's, it's, I mean, Scott Peterson's a pro. He's a good writer. So, Yeah, I don't think this is, has it ever happened before that, that Batman's let himself be psychoanalyzed by one of the villains. I mean, it's like... A thousand issues, detective. Maybe sometime in there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's happened sometime. But Steph, oh, did I? No, no. Steph, I said thumbs up. Oh, did did I not? I said reluctant thumbs up. Oh, reluctant. Th- I thought you were just repeating me. <laughs> I'm not reluctant. I'm definitely thumbs up. Uh, main DC Universe books: Adventures of the Super Sons, number six. Damian and John tried to get a better handle on their alien surroundings. After a after surviving a night, they are attacked by Rex Luthor. The pair is ultimately saved, but still captured by Tommy Tomorrow. This is used by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral middle. Uh, I don't know. I want to say th- I, I'm enjoying the story, but I really don't. I really wish it wasn't taking place in space. That's the only <laughs> thing I wish. So I'll say uh, thumbs up, trending to neutral. Yeah, sort of the same, but thumbs up. And and I I, I totally get that this story is psycho abstain <laughs> deathstroke number 39 is dr strange reveals his part in the deathstroke's last three weeks at arkham his family and friends converge on the asylum as well this is by ian he gave it three and a half out of five i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up thumbs up thumbs up this book is great <laughs> 
Justice League number 15, the Justice League perform a heist on Than- Thanagar Prime that unlocks the secrets of the universe. This is by Corbin. He gave four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Upstain. Upstain. Young Justice number one, drawn together by one extra-worldly threat, the classic Young Justice meets again, plus some f- uh, a few new additions. This is by Jessica. She gave four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up, and Bendis gets my blessing. He didn't ruin John. It was Connor, not John, in the comic. Spoilers! <laughs> of course, that just opens a whole new can of worms. <laughs> Thumbs up. It was it was a lot of fun. It's not necessarily for me, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about Young Justice number one, I did a TVU extra for this one as well. Uh, this one was actually done with Rob from Robin of Loves the Drake, as well as a new show that he just launched called Everyone Loves Young Justice. We talked all about Young Justice number one. That's also available to our Patreon supporters as well. Uh, secondary DC Universe books, The Green Lantern number three, Batman appears alongside the Justice League in the issue. Suicide Squad, Black Files number three, Deadshot and Harley Quinn appear in the issue as well. Jumping over to January 16th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics. The Batman Who Laughs, number two, while staving off the Joker toxin, Batman is shot, trying to stop the Batman Who Laughs from collapsing Wayne Tower. This is reviewed by Tony. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I went through all the emotions reading this book. Thumbs down, neutral, and so, and then thumbs up. So I think overall I, I will give it a thumbs up even though I don't like the Batman Who Laughs. This one's really hard for me to... I don't like what Scott Snyder is doing. I haven't for a long time. But Scott Snyder is an excellent writer, and Jock is an excellent artist. So this was much better than the first issue. I'm going to give this a neutral trending thumbs up. Yeah, and I think we might be doing a TBU extra for this one as well. Um, this one and Kings of Fear are, I think, on my list of ones that I am interested in doing. Mostly because uh, I, I, too, as we talked about last episode, am sick of the Batman Who Laughs. I, I'm I'm just sick of that character. That dude just needs to go away. <laughs> yeah, he does. But I would say that this issue was still very interesting. It had some really, really interesting points and you know, twists it was and very like well that. constructed. Yeah. The metaphor of the heart was really well done and coherent throughout the whole issue, which is why I was so hesitant because I don't like what's going on, but it's it's really thoughtful and it's really effective. Yeah. And I like that he's not like a psychopath. Like last week, I kind of lumped him in with Joker, but he is very different than Joker yeah. reading this. So. All right, Red Hood Outlaw number 30. After heading south of the border, Jason finds the tip he got from the clone Monday regarding the solitary investigating an abandoned prison. Red Hood comes face-to-face with the head of the underlife, the solitary. This is by Bill. He gave it 3.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. There's, it's trippy. It's, it it's interesting. It's, it's kind of fun. Catwoman number seven, Selina is in is still in Villa Hermosa, keeping an eye on her sister, but gets a visit from a Gotham rogue she knows all too well. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm gonna give this one a neutral. Yeah, neutral. But we get more penguin. It's your favorite. <laughs> so this is very well constructed. This is probably the best written issue that 
Joelle Jones has written so far. Really? I just don't care about this story. Uh, I have to go with neutral because I don't care, but it was well done. I felt like the story didn't do anything this time other than Joker or Joker. Penguin landed in Villamosa and Catwoman went out for the evening. (laughs) Well, but there was like a real sense of tension and building and Mm -hmm. then sort of the confrontation. Like in terms of structure, it was just very well done. In terms of stuff happening that I cared about, it was pointless. Yes. So, no secondary TVU books. Uh, main DC Universe books, Justice League Dark, uh, number seven. Man Bat shares some of the team's experiences with the other kind. This is by Tony. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral, but if this had been the Halloween special, it would have gotten a thumbs up. I did I not agree. like this year's Halloween I special. I liked this much better. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 50 in the final issue of the series is the team must defeat the vets before they escape to the surface from an underwater Russian prison and infect the world. Um, this was reviewed by Paul. He gave it one and a half out of five. And look at this <laughs> a wonderful thumbs down. Oh, I gave it a neutral just because it's over. Maybe I need to stop giving people benefit of the doubt for yeah. ending That's like a sympathy neutral. <laughs> a sympathy neutral. <laughs> I'm giving it a thumbs down. I don't understand why this book deserved 50 issues. I don't understand why it was double shipping for this long. This book was trash, and it went on forever. Yeah, it did. Was this the final issue? It was the final yes. issue. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but there's there's still a rumor, still a rumor that's been floating around since, like, May, that Brian Azzarello is going to re- reboot this series oh, at some point. Oh, It might not be until the summer at this it's point. There's going to be so much violence and sexual assault, and it's just going to be dark and gross and, ugh. Moving on, uh, no secondary DC Universe books this time around. And then as far as TV trades and hardcovers, we have Batman Shaman, New Edition Trade Paperback, Harley Quinn Rebirth, Deluxe Edition Book 3 Hardcover, Injustice Gods Among Us Year 4, The Complete Collection Trade Paperback, Batwoman Volume 3, Fall of the House of Cain Trade Paperback, A Very DC Valentine's Day Trade Paperback, and Scooby-Doo Team-Up Volume 6 Trade Paperback. So if you uh, if we gave a thumbs up thumbs down neutral rating to any of those books, we have detailed reviews of all those over on the site. I encourage you guys to check out all the reviews. Uh, there's new reviews posting every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, despite the fact that DC is bringing the count of bat books to potentially an all time low, as I've discussed on past episodes, I say that because this this upcoming week, this past week, we only had. Uh, six issues, but this upcoming week, I think we only have like four, or four five. I think, yeah. Yeah, there's not much. It's 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 bewildering. It's crazy. This is like insane. I've never had this little amount of books for for the site to cover. So it's kind of crazy. But anyway, we have reviews posted up every single week of all the books that pertain to the TVU or to the Batman universe and, and what we, what we discuss here. So be sure to check out those reviews. And if you do check out those reviews and, uh, you have comments, you can leave comments specifically for on those posts on the site. And those posts will be, you know, the, the writers of the reviews will actually be able to answer any questions you have about the series, or they might be, you know, if you have a theory, they might be able to, you know, chat with you about the theory. I also encourage you to join the discord because there's always conversations going about going on about all the books all the time, not just, you know, when the, when a new title comes out, but obviously when a new title comes out as well. So definitely check out all those other options as well. 
All right, so before we jump into our comments from the last episode, I want to quickly thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you, Robert, Stephanie, Brandon, Ian, Anthony, Arturo, Irwin, Brian, J. Dutton, Real No Deuces, and Donald, as well as the people uh, also supporting us at the lower levels as well. We greatly appreciate your support. Um, we, we really do appreciate your support. And it was brought to my attention that I have not really done a real good job of explaining what exactly you get so i'm going to take just a quick moment to tell you exactly what you get so we have right now we have uh three tiers available for you to support at a three dollar tier which allows you to get your name added to the bat fan appreciation page which is found on the site if you have ever clicked on the show your support for tbu that is where you will see your name um, posted as a blatant thank you um, for supporting us. You'll also be able to uh, participate in Patreon-exclusive polls um, that uh, in, in helping decide to certain discussion points or comic spotlights in the future. Um, and you'll also receive two exclusive episodes of TB Raw, which is a shorter podcast Generally, I say shorter because the intent was it was always around 10 minutes, but it never is. Sometimes um, it's as long. I mean, we've had ones, I think, as long as like 60 minutes. It's insane how, so, how long some of them are. But anywhere between 10 to uh, generally, I'd say 10 to 30 minutes about a random topic. So like just in the last couple of weeks, the, the, some of the episodes that have actually posted, we had a TBU Raw related to... Um, DC on Comicsology. We also talked about Aquaman. Um, we also had one for the questionable marketing of the DC universe, and we also talked about Batwoman on CW. Um, so those were some possibilities of things you could hear. And even if you support now, you'll still be able to hear those that back catalog of content as well. So if you have a bunch of time on your hands, you want a bunch of stuff to listen to, you can listen to the entire back catalog of ever all the content that we have to offer there as well. At the $10 tier, this uh, allows you to get a shout out, obviously here on the Comic Cast. You also get the episodes of TBU Raw, which we already mentioned. You also get an additional two episodes of TBU Extra, which is where we review extra comics. So specifically, um, like I said in the last couple of weeks, we did Young Justice number one. We also did um, the CW Elseworlds crossover event. We did the Batman Annual last month. We did Red Hood and the Outlaws back in November. It, it changes up. I'm not. I originally I was planning on just sticking strictly to the comics, but I've realized that it also makes sense to do some media stuff as well. So we also have one coming very soon for Titans season one. The entire season of Titans we talk about. So lots of different stuff there. Those are two additional. So you'll get four. If you support at the $10 level, you'll be getting four episodes totaling at least, I would say, at least an hour and a half of extra content every single month, as well as an entry into a quarterly prize package. Um, we've had two of them. You can actually see the posts even without supporting just to see what we've had to offer. Uh, a bunch of different stuff. Last quarter, we actually had two prize packages because we had a prize donated to us. Um, but we had a we had a big, giant Batman statue that was like 18 inches tall that was one prize package. And then the other one was uh, a graphic novel, a Blu-ray set, um, a Batman VR set, and a Batman or a Gotham City four-dimensional puzzle. There's a lot of stuff. This time around, I 
we have some some things. Uh, it'll be revealed shortly. I haven't narrowed down exactly. I have a big box of stuff that's been sent to me of stuff that we're going to be using. So um, we're going to be revealing that shortly. And then finally, there's a twenty dollar tier rate uh, tier level, and this is basically the level that you would want to support at if you want the comic cast earlier than everybody else. Um, you will get the raw, unedited versions of the comic cast potentially up to six days before anybody else. You also, after you support at that level for three months consecutively, you'll be able to get an exclusive TVU shirt that's not available in the merch store. So, and you'll be able, and if you continue to support after three months, you'll get multiple shirts. So, if you support for six months, you'll get two shirts. If you get support for nine months, you'll get three shirts. So every three months we'll send you a message and say, you get a shirt. What do you, you know, what's your size and verify your address and you'll get a free shirt uh, sent to you directly. So those are the tiers we have. Uh, There's something for everybody. And obviously if you don't want anything whatsoever, or you want to just give a dollar a month, that's completely acceptable as well. There's an option where you can choose no reward and just donate whatever amount you want to per month as well. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't. So with that being said, and of course, if you don't have time to, if you don't have a way to support us, and I've said this before, obviously, but if you don't have a way to support us financially, we're always looking for people um, to join TBU as staff. We're always looking for news writers and audio editors and video editors, graphic designers. If you have any of those talents or know anybody with those talents that you know are fans of Batman that would be interested in working with us, uh, we're always looking for people to volunteer their time to make TBU a bigger community and to basically share our love for Batman with even more fans. So be sure to get in touch with me. As I said also on the last episode, we are looking for more comic book reviewers. Even though we have less comics coming out, we're looking at adding just a couple more people to our group of reviewers so that way it's a little we can even things out a little bit more and then prepare for what eventually is i'm guessing an onslaught of new bat books coming in the summer i don't know i i'm just taking a wild guess because it seems like we're at like an all-time low at this point um but uh if you are interested in reviewing comics we do supply you with comics the comics to review um, so if you are interested in that or anything else that i mentioned you can email me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net or you can private message me, direct message me, wherever that you, wherever you feel comfortable contacting us, and I'll I'll get back in touch with you. So with that, that is that. We're gonna dive straight into our comments because we got a ton of them, and I want to get through them. First one comes from ACN via Discord. ACN says, Has there ever been an ongoing series focusing on a Batman villain? Not a limited mini or one shot. I'm aware of the Dixon Bane series, Penguin Mini, and the Villains Month for the new 52. Does Harley Quinn even count as a villain? I've never read any of her books. And if not, why do you think? Uh, why not do you think? Batman's rogues gallery is the best there is, with only Spider-Man giving him a run for his money. Wouldn't a villain book running parallel to Batman or Detective, but showing the villain side of the story be neat? If this has been done, please fill us in. I'd love to read it. Thanks. So, 
there's a couple of things here. So first off, I want to start off by saying the first one that I immediately thought of was the exact same one that uh, Chris from Bat Books for Beginners chimed in with and mentioned um, on the Discord. Uh, he mentioned the Joker series from the 70s. Now, a lot of people don't even know that it was ongoing because it only lasted, I believe, seven issues. Um, but it was supposed to be an, an ongoing at the time. So that was the first one I thought of. But then I thought, well, here's the thing. It depends on what your classification of villains are. So I have my comics organized in a very specific manner. I have all Batman comics. I have all super, uh, all ally comics, like all of the, the sidekicks and things like that and the team books. And then I have all of the villains. And it's all separated very differently in my collection. But the way I classify it is as I consider Catwoman a villain because that's generally what she's considered is a villain even though right now currently in continuity she's not and and Catwoman has actually had three different ongoings over time and now four with the the newest series um but even if you don't count Catwoman and I guess you don't want to count Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn did have an ongoing in 2000 and she had another one obviously during the new 52 and now another one in Rebirth if you don't count Harley Quinn or the Joker series or you don't count Red Hood because Red Hood technically has been a bad guy too, um, and it was called Red count, Hood and the Outlaws. I mean, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if you don't count any of those, and you don't count any of the minis, the only other ongoing that I can think of was Gotham City Sirens, which again still technically includes characters that some people would consider not villains or at least live in that gray area. But Gotham City Sirens did wasn't ongoing it only ended because the new 52 came about and that one was focused around catwoman harley quinn and poison ivy um, and riddler also appeared very much so in that series as well um but that was probably the one that is you're not counting catwoman the joker one harley quinn or any of the other mini mini series then that's that's what you're left with but um i i I, I'm positive I've said in the past that having a villain series would be very interesting and would be good. I've, I know that they've done miniseries. The, the Poison Ivy one, uh, which was Poison Ivy Cycle of Life and Death from 2016, I enjoyed that. I, I thought it was a good series. Um, I also enjoyed Pain, uh, Penguin Pre, uh, Pain and Prejudice, which was back from 2011. Um, I enjoyed both of those. I didn't really enjoy the Bane Conquest as much as maybe I could have. But it was good. It just I didn't enjoy it as much as probably some people had. Um, so I think sometimes the, the the series that they have, the miniseries is a nice, easy way of saying let's find a creator who has a good story and they tell their story and it's collected in a nice little trade paperback at the end of the day. Um, but I think that the ongoing is something that DC has a hard time wrapping their head around. I know even with Harley Quinn getting her own series in the New 52, which... It wasn't at the beginning of the New 52 either, though. It was later on. Even that seemed like out of nowhere and something very different. And if it, it was really just because DC had no choice but to accept the popularity of Harley Quinn and, and kind of hunker down and say, we might not want this, but we're going to make, make it happen because we've, we've got to make some money. So that's, that's my only thought on that. I, I agree that 
a, a villain series or more villain series could be great. Um, there was there's another comment real quick that I want uh, to go over, which was a reply from Matches Malone on Discord. Well, well also can you hold on the Matches Malone one because I want to comment on ACN before we get to Matches Malone. Yes, that's fine. So. Uh, Gotham City Sirens is the one example I can think of a direct Batman villain being involved in an ongoing series. Most of them are, uh, as Dustin says, miniseries. Um, And I think that's because, in general, there's no appetite at DC for, or I think in the market or creators, for a pure villain ongoing. Um... Every time they try a villain ongoing, like uh, Suicide Squad or Deathstroke, which aren't strictly Batman villains but always have a Batman element, um, they almost always turn into either uh, an anti-hero series. Like, we've had four Deathstroke series, and only one of them is a villain book. Um, Our Wolfman, that's definitely anti-hero. Uh, Kyle Higgins and Rob Liefeld, that definitely tended into anti-hero. Tony Daniel was 100% anti-hero. Only Christopher Priest is kept in a villain. Um, and even he actually had an arc where he was heroic and then he went evil again. Spoilers, by the way, for a year-old comic. Um, Suicide Squad is an interesting case um, because it's villains forced to do good. So it's, it's a really brilliant concept. And as much as I hate on the current run... I can't understand why they don't hire John Ostrander. Dude's still around. Dude's still writing. Get the man back on Suicide Squad. It would probably be better than what you got. Um, but I, I just don't see an appetite in the fandom for a villain doing villainous things on an ongoing basis. I think a villain pulling off a really cool heist or a really cool murder or something for a, a standalone is a cool plot. I have no desire to read that for years. Yeah, because I think inside of us, like we want, we want our our comic book people, you know, to make the right choices. Like if you've ever read or watched, um, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, you instantly fall in love with Zuko, even though he's a bad guy, and you just keep wondering why he keeps making bad choices. And so, you know, his storyline is just so interesting, but because you know of of his evolution through through the story, and so having just a book about someone who has to stay a villain and therefore can't change is just a frustrating story to read. It takes a really high-level writer. Yes. Yeah. It would definitely take some skill. Yeah. That also is most of the time why most of the series that are based around villains turn into anti-hero yeah. type stuff, yeah. too, as well. So one of the reasons I stopped watching The Americans is because it's a story about these Russian spies in America, and they stay Russian spies, and they keep doing Russian spy things, and it's like, okay, there's only so much of your bad decision-making I could take before I I watched go crazy. the first episode of that. I was exactly... I was like, there's a whole seven seasons of this? Why am I watching <laughs> It was this? good. I watched all seven seasons. Did you? Oh, I stopped. Yeah. I'm sure it's before. very well done. I it just... Very well done. I'm not on board. No. I had to stop. Should I continue? Yes, so go ahead. Let's go to the Magic Malone, Malone comments. From, he said, I'd be interested in a limited series that follows a henchman from... First crime up through the working for the big bads. Each issue would end with Batman breaking things up. I could also touch on why these henchmen sign up for this, the broader community of henchmen, how they get recruited, etc. The series could culminate with him about to do something really over the line, maybe for the Joker, and trying to tip off Bats because he wants it to be stopped. 
would sort of have a Gotham Central feel. Bats is there, but only from their perspective. And that that's an excellent idea. Um, I would honestly say that something like that is probably one of the few ways it could work, especially since it seems like, like Ewan say, Ian was saying, generally speaking, there's not a lot of writers who have like long stories for each for each villain. Like, there's not a villain that's like, oh, I could write this character forever. The Harley Quinn stuff is just very zany, not very villain-like in most cases, so it's it's entirely possible for them just to keep telling crazy stories that have nothing to do with being a villain. But if you had something where it was like a henchman, and the henchman worked with a variety of different villains, and you got like these arcs, and the henchman was like the, the through line of the series, but really it was just a collection of different stories related to villains. Um, it would be really cool. Have you guys ever heard of Rooster Teeth? Yeah. Mm, no. Rooster Teeth is a they're production the company. Oh, oh, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard, heard of them. Of so they do, they're famous for uh, doing, and that's how they got uh, into their business, is they started um, uh, Red vs. Blue, which is a web series using the Halo... Uh, engine as 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 a storytelling device, and uh, they also do some shorts. And so, one of the shorts they did a few years ago was called, I don't know, I think it was just called like the Batman Henchman or something. And it was about this guy that keeps working for Batman villains, and he keeps getting uh, the the plots that he's working for keeps getting stopped, and he keeps getting beaten up by Batman, and it just follows his his life and where how he finally gets out of out of they working for villains, but Batman still suspects him because he was one of the henchmen, and so he comes to his home and beats him. It's hilarious. He beats him up, and it's it's worth a watch. If you, if you're if you're craving a story about a Batman villain, that is that is a ten minutes of your life. That's five minutes. Five minutes of your life. That's worth. I also want to recommend um, two series: uh, Streets of Gotham by Paul Dini, and illustrated by Dustin Nguyen. Uh, it is a sort of Batman and Bat Family series, but it also really looks at the villains. Um, you get we talked about Jenna Duffy, the carpenter. She she was created in that series, and uh, the broker, the guy who finds uh, hideouts for villains, like this infrastructure that Paul Dini created for the villains is is I think that's the kind of richness you're looking for in this henchman series. Other series I want to mention is called uh, Manhunter by Mark and Draco. Um, it was in the mid-2000s, like 2004 to 2009-ish. Um, and the reason I mention is because it's about a sort of anti-hero. It's sort of like the Huntress. She's a vigilante who kills villains because she's tired of the system failing. But she actually hires a tech guy who was a henchman for many people in Gotham. And his last job, before he started working for her, was with uh, as a henchman for the Joker. And so you get flashbacks, and you get his life coming back to haunt him as to how he's working on the good side, but he used to be working on the bad side. So both of those series really develop that sort of street-level perspective of the supervillains that really give the universe depth, and I really wish there was something comparable in today's uh, stories. The closest we got was um, Batman Eternal, because that was a weekly series. You really got into the nitty-gritty of all the villains. But even that didn't quite get down to the street level uh, a lot of times. Alright, so hopefully there's some suggestions there for you to check out if you haven't found something. Alright, our next comment comes from Corbin, also from Discord. It says, I tend to make musical playlists for characters to gain more understanding of their personality, but strangely, I have a hard time with Bruce. So, what music do you think Bruce listens to? 
Also, you guys need a segment called Let's Get Nuts, just so you can play that drop. You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Because I just wrote a song about how I'm going to kick all your butts. Stop him before he starts singing! And it'd make a good shirt. It would make a good shirt. I'm already thinking <laughs> about that. I've already, we, we were talking earlier about how we could actually incorporate that into the show um, so that we could make the shirt make sense for the show. Um, working on that. As far as music, I'm going to say that if he listens to anything, it's classical. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, I don't really think that, I mean, like, in all honesty, he probably doesn't listen to any music. But I feel like if he does listen to music, it would probably be classical or opera music or something like that. But I feel like I'm swayed with that thought just because of what we've seen in, you know, just because that's that that's considered more high class type music, and also because we've seen opera and and, and classical stuff happen in some of the some of the incarnations of Batman in the past. I was about to say that. I was going to be a little more specific and say he probably really likes Vivaldi. Cuz that's as as depressing of music as you can get. Um, and he probably doesn't listen to Simple Plan. Do you ever feel like breaking down? Do you ever feel out of place? Like somehow you just don't belong and no one understands you. I can't imagine him being that emo, but uh, the, the, the definitely the high-class emo music like Vivaldi is probably his, his jam. And also, I mean, let's not forget he has a whole soundtrack, the Batman Lego soundtrack. You know, darkness, no parents. He probably listens uh, to that. I, I 100% agree with Stefan Dustin. I think that as a billionaire who had parents who had very, uh, you know, high-class tastes, I think... And, and Alfred. I mean, can you see Alfred doing anything but listening to <laughs> classical? <laughs> Dude probably plays the violin in his spare time. Um, so I think that batman definitely would have a taste for some classical i personally would push it more towards the 20th century things like bartok and mahler I think the the edginess of the more uh, modernist harmony would would appeal to sort of his, his brokenness a bit more. But I think he'd also appreciate things like Beethoven. And um, Chopin. some of the more romantic composers who really dealt with pain in their work. The other thing is I've, I've actually talked to a lot of people who uh, were very intelligent and very driven, and they're really into rap. So I could see Batman, uh, especially when working out, 
um, having some rap going. Um, not like pop rap, but like really hardcore stuff that really had anger in it and had a drive and had a lot of intelligence in, in the lyrics. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. In terms of the rhyme. So you don't see him lifting weights to the real Slim Shady? Well, I'm back. I don't know enough about Eminem to say. I don't actually listen to rap myself. I just, this is my experience with other people who do listen to rap. All right. So hopefully that answers that question. Next comment comes from, uh, again, ACN on Discord. He says, Dustin, why aren't you looking forward to Abnet? Is that right? Abnet? Yep. Also, with only two books being reviewed per podcast, have you considered reviewing Nightwing, Red Hood, Batgirl, etc., like you did with the podcast when it first started? And if not, why did you get away from reviewing those books? Time factor? Also, the sound quality sounds better this episode. Did something change? So, uh, let me first off by saying uh, the sound, that's that's on Steph. Steph, did you change something? Not really. Um I will say that we've had a couple of of technical issues lately with, I think, some of the tracks came in a little funky, so we had to use use the the backup track for some episodes, and um, Ian records. When we talk to Ian, he uses a phone, right? So so that sometimes gets recorded when we use the backup recording, but when I get um, the actual files, everyone has wonderful mics, and it all sounds really good. So uh, it's just a a matter of, of... uh, how how the recording goes, and if people have a lot of stuff going on in their background or something. Yeah, which uh, tends to be a lot of the case with me. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I have three small children. Well, not small. One of them's I've got a two year old, a four year old, and an eight year old. And literally every time I'm recording a podcast, they decide they're gonna like run around the house. And in their defense, that's that's all they ever do. It's not like <laughs> they're specifically doing it when they record a podcast, but that's that's literally all that happens. And then I've got a dog who will bark at anything that moves in my front yard or rings the doorbell or anything like that. So there's always stuff that happens, and any of the banging that you hear, that's always that's always on my track because <laughs> I am unfortunately in a room that has no uh, sound proofing whatsoever i mean if i the one thing i always wanted to do was to like make a small room to record in but that's just not possible with where i'm where i'm living so yeah i mean maybe eventually i'll do something like that but uh at this point it's more of a i just have to suck it up and i guess the listeners have to suck up listening to my kids stomp around on the floor so that's that um going back to the first question about why am i not looking forward to abnet um very simple. I'm not super familiar with Abnett's work outside of Titans. That is literally the only series I've ever read that he has done. Didn't really... It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, it's very simple. It's I, Titans has been a book that has floundered for me for quite some time. Um, at the beginning of Rebirth, it was just... It was there. It happened... Dick was on the team, so we covered it. But it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has a purpose most of the time. It just feels like, well, these characters 
some of these characters don't have anywhere else to go, so we're going to put them in this book, and we're going to put characters that you do know that already have their own title or they're already in another title in here as well, and we're going to tell stories involving other random characters from the universe that have, are not appearing anywhere else. And the thing is, like, I don't feel like there's a purpose. There, We were promised a purpose at the beginning of... Um, Justice League where Scott Snyder came on the title and they relaunched it and they promised a purpose with Titans but I think that got torpedoed by Tom King having Dick Grayson shot in the head and then Dick Grayson needed to be taken off the team when he was the team leader and then the book having to basically address that change and now it's gone in a completely different direction. And as you're listening to this, you'll you'll be finding out that Titans is canceled as of April. So that's happening too. So why am I not looking forward to Adnet? Uh, I, let me be clear. Not all that's his fault. The majority of that's probably not his fault. He's probably just doing what he has to do to tell stories. But I just when when he was on the title, I just didn't feel like it was anything of worth. You know, of, uh, you know, noteworthy. It was just. It was just there. So, you know, having him come on Justice League Odyssey, whatever. It's just, he's just going to do what he's done, what what I've seen him do, which is just tell stories. And the thing is, like, I know that he previously, I think he worked on Aquaman. And my understanding is that the stuff that he did on Aquaman was good. I don't read Aquaman, so I can't tell you. But just based off of what I've known from him working on Titans... I don't really see... I mean, like, I'm not really interested in the entire concept of what Justice League Odyssey is in the first place because I don't feel like there is a concept. It's just a group of characters that are thrown together, just like Titans, and we're not really getting anything except for, well, they're the space team. But there's already this space team. It's called the Green Lantern Corps. Do I really need another team? I don't think so. I mean, I don't read the Green Lantern. Well, I I do want to point something out from Solicits in the upcoming issues... Uh, so James Tynan had a couple of threads that he dropped just because his run got cut short from Detective Comics. And one of them was Azrael. Uh, specifically, Azrael has a robot that is basically his arch nemesis. And it's pretty clear from solicits that that's going to be a major plot line in an upcoming thing. And as an Azrael fan, I know Dustin's not an Azrael yeah, fan. Definitely not. I'm an Azrael fan. I'm very excited to see... Um, that plot picked up again. Um, I am disappointed. I've been saying I love Carmine D.G. and Domenico. Um, and he was slated to be artist on the upcoming uh, Justice League Odyssey. Looks like he's just a fill-in, which is Aww. really a shame, because he's such a good artist. He should be on an ongoing. He was on ongoing for Flash, and they haven't given him a new ongoing. They should. He's a top-level artist. Uh, but that's my little rant. I, I think there is an ongoing plot uh, and I think Abnet is a good choice to do it because his stuff on Silencer was quite quite solid. Um, I do think that his Titan stuff was kind of goofy, but that was a lot of editorial interference. Yeah, so that's that's why I'm not looking forward to Abnet. But your other question about uh, why do we only review two books, or have we ever considered bringing Nightwing, Red Hood, or any of the other books that we previously reviewed back? Well, it comes down to just a couple of things. Um, We got away from reviewing those books specifically because the length of time that previously the episodes were was insanely long. And I mean insanely long. 
in some cases, some of the episodes were three, four hours long because we were reviewing so many books. And here's the thing, and there was there was a discussion about it on on the, on the Discord about well, the epi- some of the episodes used you know were about the same length, and that's true. Some of them were, but it was a number of different factors that made us stop covering all those extra books. Part of it was there was a lot of books that were just really bad, and talking about you know 75 percent of the books that we talk about every episode if they're bad it just brings the entire cast down not to mention we were getting a gazillion comments on on or uh, not comments reviews on itunes saying that we were just a bunch of negative nancys who couldn't stop talking about how bad everything was but it was bad there was no way around it there was bad stuff there was some good stuff which was mostly snyder and and tomasi but most of it was really bad. And it didn't matter that it was bad. People expected us to somehow make bad stuff sound good, which is very difficult to do. Um, And it's also very disconcerting when you have got people telling you, hey, these books that are so bad, why do you keep saying they're so bad? Stop saying they're so bad. Now talk more about them, please. It's really annoying. So we stopped because they were really bad and we couldn't keep talking about them. But then, of course, I subjected myself to even more punishment by creating an extra podcast, which was previously known as the Point Five Cast, which was Ed and myself reviewing all of those secondary books, all of the Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Hood, all of those titles. But that was even more of a punishment because then it was literally nothing but an hour and a half to two hours of us talking about all of the utter junk that was going on at the time. And again, there was a couple of bright moments here and there, but not enough to warrant continuing that. So eventually we just stopped. And then we kind of reformatted the idea of what the comic cast was. We really wanted to start focusing more on longer reviews, uh, more in-depth reviews, discussing it more. A lot of the earlier reviews that we did when, like, the comic cast first started, we didn't even talk about a book for more than, like, six, seven minutes. And I'm talking, like, synopsis and talking a review, you know, actually reviewing the book. Um, If you go back to some of the very, very early episodes, and I only know this because earlier this year when we did, like, the 250th episode, I went back and I looked through the, you know, the older episodes and it was insane how many books we were doing in in a specific amount of time and it was just because we weren't talking that much about them. It was very, yeah, this was good, that was bad, this was good, and that was bad. And that, and that that's basically what we were doing. It's, it's hard to believe that in some cases we were viewing six books, covering the news, covering listener comments, and still being able to get the entire episode out in like less than an hour which is nuts. That's insane. Um, and it's not because like we hacked it up and took out a bunch. It was literally, we just didn't have that much to say because we were really unexperienced in discussing comics. I'm not going to sit here and try to claim that I'm the best comic book reviewer in the world. I'm, I'm certainly not. Um, I'm, I find it very difficult sometimes to talk about the art because it's not something that I can, uh, I'm really informed with, but I really do enjoy talking about the writing and the story aspects of things, which is partially why we focus so heavily on stories and writing so often. But And, and, and I know that also for a fact that um, I'm not the best reviewer in, in general, and, and this, this whole podcast in general was kind of like thrusted upon me and has spun into this big giant that there's no way I could ever get out from under because... It's just too successful and too great, and I enjoy being part of the community, but it is really, really something that, like, I I could probably talk way more about 
merchandise even though like i said i don't collect a ton i could talk tons about movies i could talk about the stories in the comics but i don't claim to be some sort of expert i you know i've i've been around for a long time i've been a fan for a long time but i am in no way an expert so narrowing down what we focus on um was was a very big priority for us when we reformatted and Ed came to the comic cast and Stella was with me and it was the three of us and we, it was the three of us for a really long time. We were still doing about the same number of books too. It was like uh, two books per episode because we were doing just the Bat books which at the time was Batman and Robin, The Dark Knight, Batman and Detective Comics. Um, but the idea of covering more, um, it, sure we've talked about it. Uh, we've talked about maybe doing extra episodes here or there. But it really just comes down to time. Uh, not so much the time of how long these podcasts turn out, but more of uh, how much time can I dedicate towards things and how much can time can other people dedicate. You know, you know, it might seem pretty simple to schedule out two, three hours to record a podcast you know, twice a month. But that's on top of everything else, which I've listed in great detail in past episodes about everything that goes on. So, like... Doing that, it's difficult. So one of the things, one of the solutions for that was there are books that come out that we do want to talk about or that people want us to talk about. So that was part of the reason why we came up with TBU Extra for the Patreon supporters, where I do dedicate at least time twice a month for us to review at least two of the books um, that came out over the month, and we do talk about some of those, um, or in some cases some other other TBU related stuff, but. It has mostly been comics since we started TBU Extra. I think just this past month, there was just two with Titans and the CW Elseworlds crossover that we discussed, stuff that wasn't just the comics. But generally, we do do a lot of those other comics. Will we ever bring more comics back to the comic cast? It's entirely possible. Um, I can I can... I can wholeheartedly say that it probably won't be as... It probably won't happen if I'm still a host. And I'm not saying that in, like, a negative sense, but if I was to step down from the comic cast and somebody was to step up and kind of head the show instead of myself and they wanted to do more com you know, more comics, that would be their incentive to do that because that's what they want to do. Um, personally, I don't want to add any more comics because I want to focus on the Bat books specifically. Um, I feel like with Greater Gotham, we do focus on at least brief mentions of everything else that's happening in the other books, which is why we introduced that segment. Um, but I also am very bad about long-winded talks, as you've heard for the last five minutes I've been talking. So um, I take up a lot of time. So if there was somebody who was more concise with their thoughts and they came on board and they could manage more books, then more power to them. But probably not as I'm the host of this show. So unfortunately, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I would also like to add that I think that our current format is really solid. Uh, I've listened to some of those old casts and the community was great. But in terms of like actual content, in terms of like adding to my understanding of the books, I didn't get a ton out of it. Uh, just because, you know, if you only spend two to five minutes mm -hmm. talking about a book, there's only so much you can say. Um, I really think that the, the deep dives that we do on the books now are, are really good. I put a lot of thought into what I'm saying, and I know Steph and, and Dustin also put a lot of thought into that. 
If you want us to talk about books, um, if you're a patron, of course, uh, go ahead and you know send us a message on the Patreon about like a, a book you want to see on the extra, and we always take those into account because you're the reason the site has exists. But if you just want like some comments, if you ask us about a book in the comments, we'll answer the comments. Yes. We're doing it right now, so it won't be a full review, but you'll get that conversation going if you ask about a specific book. Yeah, if you have a specific question, like let's say, for example, like what do you think of James Jr. popping up at the end of Batman Who Laughs? Uh. <laughs> we will discuss that because that's something that you ask. So if there's something specific that you want to hear our thoughts on, by all means, um, I mean, don't expect a deep dive into the book, but we can certainly ask answer or answer certain questions that you ask about titles if there's something that you're reading right now and you're not understanding if it's something that we're reading we can certainly help your under you know help you understand exactly what's going on or you know if you are a newer reader out there and you are completely lost and you need guidance of what direction to go the best thing to do i would suggest joining the discord because there's all kinds of people who can chime in besides just the three of us but obviously you could leave a comment and we can we can get to your comments as well so yeah. Also, I'm on the Discord and I uh, I talk a lot there. So if you have questions, you'll probably get an answer from me. Yes. Um, I I also say um, since we got this comment, I have been thinking about sort of chiming in if I have anything quick to say during our thumbs up, thumbs down, which you may have noticed this episode. We, we had some nice little conversations. It's not going to ever be as in depth as long as the format stays the same, and I am in favor of the format staying the same as well as Dustin. But I think. The idea of just adding a comment, adding to the community, is is a good one. So we're we're definitely listening to you guys. All right. It is fun though to go through the old episodes and hear the evolution of the show and how not only does the discussion get better, but but the show becomes more organized and more and more streamlined and stuff. And it's it's, it's it is it is fun to listen to the old episodes, but also be thankful that some of those don't exist anymore. <laughs> Well, they still exist. Well, I mean, the, the, the show isn't like that anymore. But yes, uh, definitely agree. And obviously, you've heard the evolution of my isms over the years <laughs> as well. So, our last comment comes from Christian. We need more of the history, man. The history. I say it. <laughs> our last comment comes from Christian, who, as he points out, has been a longtime fan of the podcast, but he's actually been a longtime fan of the podcast for many, many years. I, I, I know exactly who Christian is because I met him at C2E two years ago. So let's get into his comment. He says, hi guys, longtime fan of the podcast. Thanks for doing it all these years. I had, I had question that I've been meaning to ask for a couple of years now, but waiting for DC to address it, but they haven't. Who's in charge of the Batman universe and its direction? Where do you think Batman is headed for this new era starting in tech a thousand? And where do you want the universe to go? Should I keep reading, or do you yeah, want... Keep, yeah, just keep okay, going. Okay. From 2006 to 2011, free Flashpoint, it was Morrison. 2011 to 2016, Snyder, New 52. And 2016 to present, Rebirth, it's King slash Tomasi, Tech 1000 and beyond. Um, and John, it's Batman in Doomsday Clock about a year from now. So if Jeff Johns' Batman in Doomsday Clock is supposed to be uh, what all these writers are leading to... A Batman who is hunted and hated like never before. Plus, I heard Snyder has plans for the Batman who laughs and the Grim Knight in an upcoming Batman-centered Justice League slash DC summer event this year. 
And just to make this more interesting, you know Bendis is probably planting seeds for his inevitable run in the next few years, probably after King's Run. Looking forward to your thoughts and theories. Okay, so um, despite the fact that this comment literally came in like an hour before we started recording, um, it's a great question. There's there's a couple things here. There is there there's nobody in charge of the books right now. I would say King probably has the most sway right now because he has done multiple things in his run that has affected other titles. Uh, we had Catwoman spin out of the events of Batman number 50. We had Nightwing basically give up being Nightwing because of things that happened in Batman because he got shot. Um, we've had Nightwing leave the Titans team because he was shot in Batman. So King clearly has a lot of pull and sway about what happens to some of these characters. At the same time, um, when you look at Tomasi and Detective Comics, Tomasi's a big writer, uh, probably not as big of a name of a writer as Tom King currently. Like right now, on paper, uh, King is selling more, is more, you know, is just is more well known than Tomasi. Tomasi's clearly been around for much longer in in, in DC Comics and the Batman universe and things like that. His time goes all the way back to before uh, before Flashpoint. So. He has. He could have some pull too. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode about how <coughs> currently there are two different editors for the Bat Books. There's nobody really leading the Bat Books. Uh, Jamie Rich is doing half the Bat Books with Tom King's Batman, and then Chris Conroy is doing Detective Comics and another half of the Bat Books along with other titles as well. So the thing is, because it feels disjointed at this point because there's not one clear direction. Um, Tomasi, as we, we were talking about earlier, Tomasi clearly is not hinging his story on whatever King is doing currently in his own title. And I think that's perfectly fine at this point, but it would feel better if it was somehow more cohesive. Um, but then again, I don't necessarily want Tomasi to fall in line with what King's doing. King is certainly not going to fall in line with what Tomasi's doing because Tomasi just started. There is, you would expect there to be some sort of new era after number 1000, but I don't see it happening. Um, and it's just the reality of it right now. Batman's selling well. King is on the book for at least another year and a half before, you know, he ends his 100 issue run or whatever. So the thing is, like, I don't see that much changing. Tomasi will probably be on Detective Comics at least two years, maybe longer, but I would imagine he's probably going to be on the book for at least two years, and he'll tell his own stories, and there might be stuff that spins out of Tomasi's stories as well, but there's just not somebody who's really in charge of it, and a lot of it just has to do with the editors. Because there's two editors, there's going to be two different directions for the books at any given time. When you look back at... Snyder being, in, you know, kind of the one in charge of the New 52. That was because Mark Doyle was in charge of the Bat Books for most of that time frame. And before that, it was Mike Martz. And Mike Martz was in charge of the Bat Books and all the books that came out along with it, which is why the stuff that Morrison did all fell in line with the other stuff. The same reason why when Mark Doyle was in charge of the Bat Books and Snyder did something, there was all the other Bat Books coincided with the crossovers and things like that. It's because everything's cohesive. You're not seeing that because the Bat Book department, per se, is not a cohesive unit at this point. And it probably is not going to change until King is off the book. 
and it's really just because ultimately it came down to uh, King wanted a different editor and got his own editor of his choice, but ultimately the other books were, you know, doing their own thing. So it, that's that. Um, as far as what Johns is doing, don't even think about that at this point because who knows whenever that's going to wrap up and how it's all actually going to have anything to do with it or if it's going to have anything to do with it at all because at this point, because it's been delayed so much, there's no way that any writer out there that was originally pitched the idea of Doomsday Clock and said, this is how it's all going to end, this is where we're all going to meet up and say this is the end of the story. There's absolutely no way that any writer who's currently on a book is still doing that plan because of how much that book has been delayed. Um, talking about Snyder and the Batman Who Laughs and Grim Knight, I've heard about this massive crossover coming in, or not crossover, but the, the event coming for Justice League in the summer. Snyder's been talking about it a lot on Twitter recently. I have no idea what he's going to do, but I if it is, it's going to focus solely on that little aspect of the Batman Who Laughs series, and it's not going to really have any pull probably on the other titles. It certainly will have pull on the other Justice League titles because they're all supposed to be grouped together. And for the most part, Justice League Dark, Justice League Odyssey, well, not Titans because that'll be gone, but you know, presumably Teen Titans will be looped in with that stuff because it was those were all supposed to be part of this new group of the Justice books. So that's that. Uh, Bendis, yeah. Uh, at this point, I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion, foregone conclusion that he is going to take over after King. I mean, like, if he doesn't, then I would see him taking after taking over after Tomasi because eventually, I imagine, I mean, like, there's no way he does not eventually get onto a bat book that's not a Walmart exclusive 12 page story every month. So, I haven't been able to pick those up. Are they any good? Individually, uh, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, like, overall, it's not a... They are very pretty. Nick Darentine's art is amazing. The stories are completely disposable. And it pains me to say this, because I love the idea of the bat, of the, the Walmart books. I I collect them. Um, the only one I don't collect is Teen Titans. Uh, I collect the other four, and I've gotten the holiday specials. Um, but, so Tom King's doing a very dark, very dark Superman story... Uh, Bendis is doing a very fluffy and fun but pretty disposable Batman story and Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are doing a pretty fluffy but kind of disposable Wonder Woman story. That being said, I think it's doing the same thing that the regular Wonder Woman title is doing right now um, but it's more fun than that one. <laughs> so, they're fun books. I, I'm really glad they exist because they exist as sort of a history and also a jumping on point for people who just want to get into comics who aren't already in there from Walmart. But ultimately, yes, there's there's not a lot to it. I mean, like, it's not that they're bad because they're not. It's just it's 12 pages and there's right. not a lot of movement. I mean, it's you you got to read 12 issues straight to get the full story, and even then. That's not much. I mean, eventually, we all know this is eventually going to happen because when you combine 12, 12 issues of 12-page 12 story arcs, what do you get? 144 pages. And what does that get you? That gets you exactly around the same size as a normal trade paperback. So eventually, all will be collected. I'm, I'm positive of that. And when it does, maybe it'll read better, but as an individual month-to-month thing, it just feels like that's it. That's all that happened. That's all I ever feel like. Well, like I said, Tom King's stuff is 
they're like beautifully crafted little gems of <laughs> with pain and death in the center because <laughs> it's Tom King. But you can do a really great short story every week, every month. Bendis and Palmiata are not doing that. They're they're writing for the trade, and that's fine. But it does mean that it feels like they're tiny little trips. Yes. So hopefully you enjoyed those theories. <laughs> it's not most of that's not theories. It's more of a uh, educated guesses, which is still theories, I guess. Anyway, so if you guys have any comments, that that actually wraps up all of our comments. If you guys have any comments or questions that you'd like us to talk about in the next episode, be sure to send those comments in. Um, you can do so by posting them either on the actual podcast post which is the most convenient, but definitely not the end-all, be-all. You can leave comments on our Discord. You can leave comments on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, any of the places that you're listening to this podcast. If you leave a comment, we will get the comment ported over to the site so that we use it for the next episode. No need to fear. It will be talked about on the next episode. I've made sure that I do not miss these, so be sure to send your comments in. That being said, that is all for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the site for the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts that the other podcasts that we have to offer, including the latest episodes of Backworld or Backworld Oracle. Robin, everyone loves Drake. Bat fans all have new episodes. There's also the latest episode of Bat Books for Beginners dives into Batman Battle for the Cowl. Um, and then the there's also, like I said, a brand new show that uh, just just launched at the beginning of the month called Everyone Loves Young Justice, which is going to dive into everything Young Justice, the TV series, the TV tie-in series, the, the video game that released for it, the old 90s series, the new series, all, everything Young Justice, which obviously has a lot to do with Tim Drake, um, so check out that. Um, there's also another show I'm in talks to bring yet another podcast to TBU, uh, and I'm not going to reveal anything at this point, but I should be able to reveal everything by the next episode. But I'll just give this simple hint, which is it's a show that delves into a completely a completely different area of the fandom that we have yet to even touch, which is insane that it's even possible after 10 years, but it's certainly possible because it's happened. So that show should be coming soon as well so i'll give you more information on that next episode that being said also follow us on facebook twitter and youtube for all these news and videos from the batman universe also you can leave us reviews in itunes i'll be honest i don't really pay attention to those anymore because there's too many people who claim that i'm a negative person who's too long-winded and that's exactly right. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly how much I feel my, like we've been really positive for the last like several months. Oh, that's What's fine. Up, but guys? nobody leaves nobody leaves comments in the last couple several months. Everybody leaves uh, all the comments that I see are from like two years ago and like all these other things. But don't worry, everybody who's describing me as a negative person who's very long winded. That's exactly how my wife describes me. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so that being said, um, of course, leave your comments. And like I said, if you have any desire to support us and you would like to get extra content, support us on Patreon or send us an email at tbu at thebadmuniverse.net if you're interested in supporting us with your skills instead. That all being said, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Steph. And this is Ian. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Lowering mayor package. 
for dropping by. I've only got one thing to say to you, Joker. Well, you better make it fast. Do you like to gamble? Oh, I certainly do. Do you ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. I'm all ears. When playing roulette. Yes. Always bet on black. Batman, what are you doing? You're completely outnumbered here. Are you nuts? You want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Because I just wrote a song about how I'm going to kick all your butts. Stop him before he starts singing. In the darkest night, I make the bad guys fall. There's a million heroes. The computer overcompensate. But I'm the best of them all. I'm on my way, sir. Who has the coolest gadgets? Who has the trick to ride? Located at the base of the energy core. What the? I get the last laugh. I get the final grin. Throw you into the asylum with Harley Quinn. Turn to face. It's a black and blue face. I am 100% in the Bruce Wayne. Kiss me, Running into that. 